0: chapter two of a summer in a canyon a california story by kate douglas wiggin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two the journey away away from men and towns to the wild wood and the downs to the silent wilderness whatever the distance was in reality the steamer had consumed more time than usual and it was quite two o'clock instead of half-past twelve as they had expected before they were landed on the old and almost forgotten pier and saw the smoke of the orizaba as she steamed away after counting over their bags and packages to see if anything had been forgotten they looked about them there was a dirty little settlement a mile or two to the south consisting of a collection of tumble-down adobe houses which looked like a blotch on the brown hillside. A few cattle were browsing near by, and the locality seemed to be well supplied with lizards, which darted over the dusty ground in all directions, but the startling point of the landscape was that it showed no sign of human life, and Pancho's orders had been to have Senor Don Manuel Felipe Hilario Noriega and his wood cart on hand promptly at half past twelve can pancho have
1: forgotten can he have lost his way and never arrived here at all can Señor don manuel felipe hilario noriega have grown tired of waiting and gone off
2: has Señor don manuel felipe hilario noriega been drinking too much aguardiente and so forgotten to come
3: has pancho been murdered by highway robbers and served up into stew for their evening meal with yet for dessert oh horrible
0: these were some of the questions and exclamations that greeted the ears of the lizards and caused them to fly over the ground in a more excited fashion than ever
4: one thing is certain if poncho has been stupid enough to lose his way coming fifty miles down the coast i'll discharge him
0: said dr winship with decision when you find him
2: Added Aunt Truth prudently, of course. But really, Mamma, this looks discouraging. I'm afraid we can't get into camp this evening. Shall we go up to the nearest ranch house for the night and see what can be done tomorrow?
0: Never! never exclaimed the young people with one deafening
3: shout. Never! Echoed Philip separately. I have vowed that a bed shall not know me for three months, and I'll keep my vow.
2: "'What do you say to this, Uncle Doc?'
3: said Geoffrey.
2: "'Suppose you go up to the storehouse and office—it's about a mile—and see if the goods are there all right, and whether the men saw Poncho on his way up to the canyon. Meanwhile, Phil and I will ride over here somewhere to get a team, or look up Signor Don Manuel Felipe Hilario Noriega. Jack can stay with Aunt Truth and the girls to watch developments.' "'But, Papa, can't we pitch to camp tonight somehow?' asked Belle piteously.
4: I don't see how. We are behind-hand already, and if we get started within an hour we can't reach the ground I selected before dark, and we can't choose any nearer one, because if Pancho is anywhere in creation, he is on the identical spot I sent him to.
3: But, Dr. Paul, I'll tell you what we could do, suggested Jack. If we'll get any kind of a start, we can't fail to reach camp by seven or eight o'clock at latest. Now it's bright moonlight, and if we find Poncho, he'll have the baggage unloaded, and Hopiat will have a fire lighted. What's to prevent our swinging the hammocks for the ladies? And we'll just roll up in our blankets by the fire for tonight. Then we'll get to housekeeping in the morning.
0: This plan received a most enthusiastic reception. Very well, replied the doctor.
4: If you are all agreed i suppose we may as well begin roughing it now as at any time
0: you may have noticed sometimes after having fortified yourself against a terrible misfortune which seemed in store for you that it didn't come after all well it was so in this case for just as dr winship and the boys started out over the hillside at a brisk pace an immense cloud of dust some distance up the road attracted their attention and they came to a sudden standstill the girls held their breath in anxious expectation and at length gave an irrepressible shout of joy and relief when there issued from the dense gray cloud the familiar four-horse team with daisy tool molly Billikins, and dinah looking as fresh as if they had not been driven a mile tough little mustangs that they were a long conversation in spanish ensued which being translated by dr Winship, furnished all necessary information concerning the delay s d m f h n stated that poncho was neither faithless nor stupid but was waiting for them on the camping ground and that as the goods were already packed in his wood cart he would follow them immediately so the whole party started without more delay dr and mrs winship master paul jack howard and three girls riding in the wagon while Geoffrey and Philip galloped ahead on horseback. It was a long, dusty, tiresome ride, and Dicky, who had been as good all day as any saint ever carved in marble and set in a niche, grew rather warm, cross, and hungry, although he had been consuming snaps and apricots since early morning. After asking plaintively for the fiftieth time how long it would be before dinner, he finally succumbed to his weariness and dropping his yellow head that was like a cowslip ball in his mother's lap he fell asleep but the young people whose eyes were not blinded by hunger and sleep found more than enough to interest them on this dusty california road winding as it did through grand old growths of trees acres and acres of waving grain and endless stretches of gorgeous yellow mustard the stalks of which were five or six feet high almost hiding from view the boys Dashed into the golden forest from time to time. At the foot of the hill they passed an old adobe hut with a crowd of pretty, swarthy, frowsy Mexican children playing in the sunshine, while their mother, black-haired and ample of figure, occupied herself in hanging great quantities of jerked beef on a sort of clothesline running between the eucalyptus trees. The father, a wild-looking individual in a red shirt and enormous hat, came from behind the hut unhitched the stout little broncho tied to the fence gave the poor animal a desperately tight cinch threw himself into the saddle without touching his foot to the lumbering wooden stirrups and digging his spurs well into the horse's sides was out of sight in an instant leaving only a huge cloud of dust to cover his disappearance
4: how those fellows do ride
0: exclaimed dr winship savagely
4: i wish they were all obliged to walk until they knew how to treat a horse
3: then they'd walk straight into the millennium said jack sagely for their cruelty seems to be an instinct but how beautifully they ride too
5: said polly Mama and i were sitting on the hotel piazza the other day watching two young spaniards who were performing feats of horsemanship they dropped four bit pieces on the dusty road and riding up to them at full speed clutched them from the ground in some mysterious way that was perfectly wonderful then Gutierrez mounted a bucking horse and actually rolled and lighted a cigarette while
0: the animal bucked with all his might see that cunning cunning muchachita mamma cried belle for as they stopped at the top of the hill to let the horses breathe one of the little Mexican children ran after them, holding out a handful of glowing yellow poppies. She was distractingly pretty, with a beauty that is short-lived with the people of her race. The afternoon sun shone down fiercely on her waving coal-black locks, and brought a rich color to her nut-brown cheek. She had one little flimsy ragged garment, neither long, broad, nor thick, which hung about her picturesquely, and with her soft, dark, sleepy eyes, the rows of little white teeth behind her laughing red mouth and the vivid yellow blossoms in her tiny outstretched hand, she was a very charming vision. como te llamas, muchachita, what is your name, little one asked Bell, airing her Spanish, which was rather good. Tersita she answered with a pretty accent as she scratched a set of five grimy little toes to and fro in the dusty ground. Throw her a bit, Papa whispered bell and as he did so teresita caught the piece of silver very deftly and ran excitedly back to the center of the chattering group in front of the house
2: how intense everything is in california do you know what i mean mamma said bell the fruit is so immense the canyons so deep the trees so big the hills so high the rain so wet and the drought so dry the flea so many the flea
0: so spry chanted jack who had perceived that belle was talking in
3: rhyme without knowing it california is just the place for you belle it gives you a chance for innumerable adjectives heaped one on the other
2: i don't always heap up adjectives replied belle with dignity when i wish to describe you for instance i simply say that hateful boy and let us go at that jack retired to private life for a season
1: i'd like to paint a picture of teresita
0: said marjorie who had a pretty talent for sketching
1: and call it the summer child or some such thing i should think the famous old colour artist might have loved to paint this gorgeous flame-tinted poppy not poppy a schultzia corrected
0: jack coming rapidly to the surface again after bell's rebuke and delivering himself of the tongue-confusing word with a terrible
1: grimace i'm not writing botany retorted marjorie and i can never remember that word much less spell it i don't see how it grows under such an abominable russian name it's worse than ichthyosaurus do you remember that funny nonsense worse i is for ichthyosaurus who lived when the world was all porous but he fainted with shame when he first heard his name, and departed a long while before us. The
0: Spaniards are more poetic, said Aunt Truth, for they call it La Copa de Ora, the Golden Cup. Oh, I see them yonder. <sighs> it is like the field of the cloth of gold. The sight would have driven a royal florist mad with joy, a hillside that was a swaying mass of radiant bloom a joyous carnival of vivid color in which a thousand golden goblets turned upward to the sun were dancing and glowing and shaming out of countenance the purple and blue and pink masses which surrounded them on every side
3: you know professor pinney told us that every well-informed young girl should know at least the flora of her own state said jack
0: after the excitement had subsided well one thing is certain professor
5: piney never knew the state of his own flora or at least he kept his wife sorting and arranging his specimens all the time and i think he's a regular old frump
0: said polly irreverently but meeting aunt truth's reproving glance which brought a blush and a whispered excuse me she went on well
5: what i mean is he doesn't know any more than other people after all for he cares for nothing but bushes and herbs and seeds and shrubs and roots and stamens and pistils and he can't tell whether a flower is lovely or not he is so crazy to find out where it belongs and tie a tag round it i must agree with
3: polly laughed jack why i went to ride with him one day in the cathedral oaks and he made me get off my horse every five minutes to dig up roots and tie them to the pommel of his old saddle so that we came into town looking like moving herbariums the stableman lifted him on to his horse when he started i suppose and he would have been there yet if it hadn't been helped off Bah! for jack had
0: a supreme contempt for any man who was less than a centaur by this time they had turned off the main thoroughfare and were traveling over a bit of old stage road which was anything but easy riding there they met some men who were driving an enormous band of sheep to a distant ranch for pasture which gave saucy polly the chance to ask dr winship innocently why white sheep ate so much more than black ones he fell into the trap at once and answered unsuspectingly in a surprised tone
4: why do they
0: giving her the longed-for opportunity to respond yes of course because there are
3: so many more of don't you see You are behind the times, Dr. Paul, said Jack. That's an ancient joke. Just look at those sheep, sir. How many are there? Eight hundred, say?
4: Even more, I should think. A thousand, certainly, and rather thin they look, too.
2: I should imagine they might, said Bell sympathetically. When I first came to California, I never could see how the poor creatures found anything to eat on these bare brown hillsides, until the farmer showed me the prickly little burr clover balls that cover the ground. But see, Mama, there are some tiny lambs, poor, tired, weak-legged little things. I wonder if they will live through the journey. "'What reminds me?'
3: said Jack, giving lickins a touch of the whip. "'That nothing—' is so calculated to disturb your faith in and love for lambs as life on a sheep ranch
2: innocent good gracious i never saw such such gasping staggering stuttering stammering tomfools. interposed belle that's what carlyle called one lamb dear mr roast pig charles and a mean old thing he was too for doing it
3: Well, it is just strong enough to apply to the actual lamb. Not the lamb of romance, but the lamb of reality. You can't get him anywhere. He doesn't know enough. He won't drive, he can't follow, he's too stupid. Why, I went out for a couple of them once that were lost in the canyon. I found them, that was comparatively easy. But when I tried to get them home, I couldn't. At last, after infinite trouble, I managed to drive them up onto the trail which was so narrow there was but one thing for a rational creature to do and that was to go ahead then if you believe me those idiots kept bleating and getting under the horse's forefeet finally one of them the champion simpleton tumbled over into the canyon and i tied the legs of the other one together and carried him home on the front of my saddle
1: they are innocent anyway insisted marjorie i won't believe they're not I can't bear these people who interfere with all your cherished ideas and say that Columbus didn't discover America and Shakespeare wasn't Shakespeare and William Tell didn't shoot the apple.
3: Nevertheless, I claim that the lamb is not half so much an emblem of innocence as he is of utter and profound stupidity. There is that charming old lyric about Mary's little lamb. I can explain that. After he came to school, which was an air of judgment at the very beginning, He made the rumpus you know and then the teacher turned him out but still he lingered near and waited patiently about till mary did appear of course he did he didn't know enough to go home alone and then he ran to her and laid his head upon her arm as if to say i'm not afraid you keep me from all harm as if a lamb could be capable of that amount of reasoning and then what makes the lamb love mary so let your children cry Why, Mary loves a lamb, you know, the teacher did reply. And might have added that as Mary fed the lamb three times a day and twice on Sundays, he probably not only knew on which side his daily bread was buttered,
2: but also who buttered it. Dreadful boy! laughed Belle. Polly, pray lower the umbrella. We are going to meet some respectable people, and we actually are too dirty to be seen. I have really been eating dust. They must be equally dusty said polly sagely
0: why it's the burtons from Tacetus ranch the burton ranch wagon was drawn up and its driver recognized dr winship and he proceeded to cheer the spirits of the party by telling them that he had passed poncho two hours before and that he was busily clearing rubbish from the camping ground this was six o'clock and by a little after eight the weary happy party were seated on saddle blankets and carriage cushions round a cheery camp-fire eating a frugal meal which tasted sweeter than nectar and ambrosia to their keen appetites the boys expressed their intention of spending the night in unpacking their baggage and getting to rights generally but dr winship placed a prompt and decisive veto on this proposition and they submitted cheerfully to his better judgment getting to bed was an exciting occupation for everybody dicky was first tucked up in a warm nest of rugs and blankets under a tree and sank into a profound slumber at once with the happy unconsciousness of childhood his father completed the preparations for his comfort by opening a huge umbrella and arranging it firmly over his head so that no falling leaf might frighten him and no sudden gust of air blow upon his face bell stood before her hammock and meditated
2: well she said going to bed is a simple matter after all when you have shorn it of all useless formalities let me see i generally walk to and fro in the room eating a bunch of grapes or an orange look out of the window for five or ten minutes brush my hair read my chapter in the bible take my book and study Spanish five minutes, on the principle of that abnormal woman who learned ninety-six languages while she was waiting for the kettle to boil in the morning. Must have been a slow boiler, interrupted Polly
5: wickedly. Seems to me it would have been economy to sell it and buy a new one.
2: Oh, Polly, you are so willfully stupid. The kettle isn't the point, but the languages— besides she didn't learn all the ninety-six while the cutting was boiling once you know oh didn't she
0: that alters the case thank you said polly sarcastically
2: now observe me said belle i have made the getting into a hammock a study i first open it very wide at the top with both hands then holding it in that position i gracefully revolve my body from left to right as upon an imaginary swivel meantime i raise my right foot considerably from mother earth with a view to passing it over the hammock's edge every move is calculated you perceive and produces its own share of the perfect result the method is the same that rachel used in rehearsing her wonderful tragic poses i am now seated in the hammock you observe with both hands extending the net from side to side and the right foot well in position i now raise the left foot with a swift but admirably steady movement and i am help help murder in short you're not in
0: but out cried polly in a burst of laughter for bell had leaned too far to the right and on bringing the other foot in with its swift but admirable steady motion she gave a sudden lurch pulled the hammock entirely over herself and fell out head-first on the other side leaving her feet tangled in its meshes shall we help her out meg she doesn't deserve it after that
5: pompous oration and attempt to show off her superior abilities nevertheless she always accepts mercy more gracefully than justice heave
0: ahoy my hearties bell was extricated and looked sufficiently ashamed
1: we're much obliged for the lesson said marjorie but the method is open to criticism so i think we'll manage in our ordinary savage way we may not be graceful or scientific but we get in which is the main point
0: the hammocks did not prove the easiest of nests as the girls had imagined in fact to be perfectly candid about the matter the wicked flea of california which man pursueth but seldom catcheth Is apt on many a summer night to interfere shamelessly with slumber. On this particular night, he was fairly rampant, perhaps because sweet humanity on which to feed was very scarce in that canyon. Good night, girls, called Jack
3: when matters seemed to be finally settled for sleep. Belle, you must keep one eye open, for the coyotes will be stealing down the mountain in a jiffy, and yours is the first hammock in the path.
2: Of course moaned belle that's why the girls gave me this one They knew very well that one victim always slakes the animal's thirst for blood well let them come on i shiver with terror but my only hope is that i may be eaten in my sleep if at all
3: there was a young party named belle who slept out of doors for a spell when asked how she fared she said she was scared but otherwise doing quite well how's that asked jack I shall be able to drive Belle off her own field with a little practice.
4: Go to sleep,
3: roared Dr. Paul.
4: In your present condition of mind and body, you are not fit for poetry.
3: That's just the point, sir, retorted Jack slyly. For you remember, poets are not fit, but nascitur. don't you know?
0: And he retired under his blanket for protection. But quiet seemed to be impossible there were all sorts of strange sounds and the moon too was so splendid that they almost felt as if they were lying beneath the radiance of a calcium light while in the dark places midst the branches of thick foliage the owls hooted gloomily if you had happened to be an owl in that vicinity you might have heard not only the feverish tossing to and fro of the girls in the hammocks but many dismal sighs and groans from dr winship and the boys For the bare ground is, after all, more rheumatic than romantic, and they too tumbled from side to side seeking comfort. But at midnight quiet slumber had descended upon them, and they presented a funny spectacle enough to one open-eyed watcher. A long slender sycamore log was extended before the fire and constituted their pillow. On this their heads reposed, each decorated with a tightly fitting silk handkerchief. Then came a compact, papoose-like roll of gray blanket, terminated by a pair of erect feet, whose generous proportions soared to different heights. There was a little snoring, too, perhaps the log was hollow. At midnight you might have seen a quaintly despondent little figure, whose curly head issued from a hooded cloak, staggering hopelessly from a hammock, and seating herself on a mossy stump from the limpness of her attitude and the pathetic expression of her eyes i fear polly was reviewing former happy nights spent on spring beds and at this particular moment the realities of camping out hardly equaled her anticipations whatever may have been her feelings however they were promptly stifled when a certain insolent head reared itself from its blanket roll and a hoarse voice cackled pretty polly polly want a canyon at this insult miss oliver wrapped her drapery about her and strode to her hammock with the air of a tragedy queen chapter two